Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Good morning and welcome to Coast View. I hope you're having a great Tuesday. I have a great guest today, but first let me say I was so thrilled to have Bill Luckett yesterday. Partners with Morgan Freeman on the Ground Zero Club. You know, to, we talked about so many amazing things, the connection between the blues music and the rest of the world. And they're right there in Ground Zero. They have their Ground Zero Club, which is going to be open in Biloxi, their first sort of foray outside of Clarksdale, Mississippi to Biloxi. It's going to be exciting because they're going to be bringing some of the little, I mean, talk, we're talking traditional blues. They'll be bringing them to coastal Mississippi. And uh, 50% of the people who go to the Ground Zero Club today come from all around the world, Europe and Australia mostly. It's incredible. Um, we are on the international map. And uh, the more we can put Mississippi there, the better as far as I'm concerned. Hey, listen, I talk about big tech developments on Coastview uh, a lot. I don't. I don't do these national issues if you're a regular listener. I don't do them too often. But as it relates to big tech, I'm concerned about the fact that they continue to go forward sort of unchecked by regulation. I think, you know, I'm not a big regulation guy, but as it relates to things like big tech, I think we need regulation. I'll explain to you a little bit more about why I feel that way. But as you know, I came from the media industry. I spent a career. Um, especially the latter part of my career involved in some groundbreaking digital media efforts. And I developed a pretty good understanding and I developed a pretty good concern about privacy on the Internet. That's a that's a really important subject these days. Um, there's an enormous amount of our personal data that's being gathered by the big tech companies like Facebook and Google and uh, Apple and Amazon and others. You know, it, there's a lot of them, but the big ones are doing it in a very big way. I actually reported last week that Facebook is the fifth U.S. big tech company to become part of what we call the trillion dollar club. Now, essentially what you do is you take the number of shares outstanding that, that the public can buy, you multiply that times the current market value, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, of the stock. And what you get is the market capitalization of the company. So there are now a number of companies, all big tech companies that are in the trillion dollar club. How did they get there? Well, our personal data, our personal, your personal data, my personal data, our guest personal data is more valuable than all. I mean, think about that for a minute. I've said it before, but what I, the way I'd like to characterize it is that we're in a personal data pandemic these days. It's the evolution of data companies and, and big data companies, I believe, has been a real destabilizing effort, uh, 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 destabilizing factor to our society. You can, there's incredible examples all around the world of, of some really bad things happening as a result of social media. And, um, and I think it's very troubling. The level of precision that they have these days to literally purely exploit what, what, you know, what is our human psychology on their, prop, on, their, on their platforms is literally mind-boggling. If you haven't seen it, I, I really recommend watching the documentary series that's on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. It spells it out. It's something you really ought to pay attention to. But there's a reason that our data is worth uh, more is more valuable than all these days. It's based on an advertising platform. This valuation is based on an advertising pl platform that uses artificial intelligence and algorithms to be to do very sophisticated targeting of ads. I mean, really, 
it's incredible what they can do. And it's, uh, you know, it's brilliant what they can do from an advertising platform point of view. Really important. Um, and they use artificial intelligence to do that. But this ad platform has what is called unintended consequences. They also use that ad platform and our personal data to determine what our social media feeds need to be. So it may, what it does is it makes it appear that everyone in your social media feed agree with you. And that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing at all for our democracy or for society. Um, so anyway, you know, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of effort underway to understand what they're doing. But at the end of the day, we're being manipulated like never before. And it's mostly unregulated. And if you think about the amount of money that big tech spending on like uh, lobbying efforts, for example, I don't see Congress getting to the bottom of it any, anytime soon. It's really, really complicated. I want to remind you real quick what some of the personal data is that they have. They, of course, they have your personal information, which is your, your name, your gender, your date of birth. Uh, contact information, location and address. You know, I mean, obviously, this tracking software in your phone that tr follows you around. They know what you're, they know where you go and what you do and when you do it. Um, your relationship status: Are you single? Are you married? Work status and income level, education background, ethnicity, uh, religious and political beliefs, especially religious and political beliefs these days. Unfortunately, facial recognition data. When you use facial recognition to get into your phone, that data is stored by Apple. Think about that for a second. Financial and banking information. You wouldn't think that that's there, but. It's there. You give them credit card information when you do purchases at the iStore, et cetera. IP address. This, you know, each device you use, whether you use an iPad, an iPhone, a, a computer, has a unique address just to that device. That's an IP address. So if you have, you know, if you go to the internet using more than one device, there's going to be more than one IP address associated with you. They know that information. Whatever communications that you're doing, they know that. Calendar events, search history, they know everything you do, when you do it. They know the media that you consume. They know if you don't use search and you just go web browsing, they know everything. Social media behavior. Listen, the list goes on and on. It really does go on and on. But by using their free social media site or by going to do a free search from Google, you're giving them the permission then to be able to collect all this information and data. It's a real problem. Now, by the way, I just read a story this morning that said that TechCrunch, on TechCrunch.com, that a group of 37 attorneys general have uh, filed a, which is a real, real important bill, I mean, uh, lawsuit because it's bipartisan, a multi-state uh, antitrust lawsuit against Google. It's saying that that if you use app, go to their app store. If you're if you're using um, their their technology, that you're forced to to use their technology and pay accordingly. And they also says that the uh, Google is squeezing the lifeblood out of millions of small businesses that are that are that are only seeking to compete. Um, you combine with this with all the other lawsuits that are out there, we're not going to be able to get the solution from Congress. What we're going to get the solution from is from the attorneys general. Hopefully that creates clarity about where, where regulation can be. It's really important. I can't help but think about Elon Musk. He said that we need an FAA for big tech as it relates to artificial intelligence. Why not? I mean, the reality is that utility companies are regulated. And, um, you know, why not don't why, why shouldn't we have utility like regulation or regulatory body of big tech? I, I, I think the sooner we have that, the better. Anyway, speaking of utilities, I'm, I'm really proud to be a Coast Electric customer. Um, I've been one since 2001, but I'm pleased to have my dear friend. I've worked with him in the community for so many years. 
I don't want to say how long, actually, Ron, but the CEO of Coast Electric, Ron Barnes. Good morning, Ron. Good morning, Ricky. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, you you live in a regulatory env- environment, don't you? I mean, just you, you and and it shapes you. You're able to be successful as a business in a regulatory environment. It's just kind of the the way it is for your industry, isn't it? It is. Yeah. You, there are there are certain things that we have to make sure that we're looking out for the public interest in addition to the interest of our own business, um, and it works pretty good. Yeah, I know it. I know it does. I know it does. I hope we can. You know, I know that we're we're at the forefront of a lot of the stuff that I'm saying about big tech. It's been coming on strong for years. It's really coming on strong these days. And, you know, I hope that we can find, uh, you know, technology, man. Technology is where it's at. I mean, I, I talk about all the hacks that are happening you know, around the world, particularly in, in the U.S. these days. I mean, companies like you, I mean, you're very technology dependent. You we spend are. a lot of time thinking about how to make sure that your your technology is secure, don't you? We, we do. And really everything in our business now runs, what I like to say is it runs through our IT department. Uh, whether it's reading our meters, uh, the way that we um, dispatch or get power dispatched to us, um, you know, the way that we communicate with our members, the way that we um, the, that our members pay us, everything runs through technology. Yeah, and there's and no looking back. You know, I used to say really when, not. when I came when I became a CEO of a company. I uh, had the opportunity. It was, it was the same parent company, but but different. But I was different CEO of sev- several different companies later in my career. And with the first, you know, I used to say that when I come into a new company, I want to know the personnel director and I want to know the CFO. That's the, the two I want to get the closest relationship with. Later in my career, it was still the CFO and the HR director, but also want to know who the IT director was. Because not only in terms of how we run the business, but because we were in a digital world, it was really important to have those kind of close relationships. You've seen the same kind of evolution in your business, haven't you? We have. In fact, uh, I, I would 100% agree with you. When when literally everything in your business runs through your IT department, you better have a good relationship there. And I'll give you just a real quick story, Ricky. Somebody asked me why I couldn't access a particular website because I was the CEO. And I said, the CEO can make just as much of a blunder uh, when it comes to cybersecurity as any other employee. So I want to have the same, uh, you know, controls on my computer that I would ask any other person in our organization to do. So yeah, it's, it's good to have that relationship, especially when everything runs through that department. Yeah, I had a cybersecurity expert on recently and they said vulnerabilities are in the oddest places. You don't think of it this way, but an administrative assistant can create a vulnerability. I mean, it's you don't think of, of a vulnerability that could really take a business down being something that a, an administrative assistant could do. So everyone in the company has to be connected and has to be careful. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Ron Barnes, the CEO of Coast Electric. We're going to talk about the pandemic, how business these days, how they do in the aftermath of Zeta. He's also the incoming chairman of the current chairman of Coast Chamber. We'll talk about that. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Ron Barnes, who's the CEO of Coast Electric, with us today. I really enjoyed the opening segment, Ron. 
look, there's a lot of places to start, but I, I want to just remind people something. And I mentioned this kind of briefly at the beginning, but you and I have worked in so many different ways over so many years, whether it be United Way, the Chamber, I don't know what all. I mean, we've we've crossed each other's paths so many times um, in the community. What drives you? What what keeps you after all these years? I don't even know how many years it is. Forty years. How long have you been working in the community? Oh, I would say thirty-five years, which is how long I've been out of college. That's incredible. That's incredible. But yes, what drives you? Where does that? Where does that? You're the current chairman of the Coast Chamber. What is it that keeps you going? What What is the message you want to give to other young people, and maybe not so young people, who are considering getting involved in the community? Well. You know, we live, work, play in this community. And so I think that I, maybe it's a higher calling for me to be able to give back uh, to those that have given so much to me. You know, really none of us, Ricky, get to any successful place in life without a lot of people. And look, there are mentors, uh, you know, there are mentors along the way that really helped me. So it's really for me just about the uh, the drive to want to make our community better. I wanted to make it a better place for not only my children, my employees' children, people that I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, a good a good strong community really selfishly makes a good strong business. Um, you know, businesses thrive when communities are strong. Yeah, yeah, you, you're so right about that. When you mention mentors. All kinds of thoughts came to mind for me, but you know, I was lucky because Roland Weeks was the president uh, and publisher of the Sun Herald as I was coming up in my career. I often say that he identified me long before I realized I had the capabilities, but he saw things in me. You know, he he put me in charge of a division of the company when I was like 25, 26 years old. You just don't do that back in the 80s when he did that. That's right. But the but the fact is I look at I look I think about Roland and what he said to me. And it's the same same thing that your mentors would have said to you, and that is that the the more we're involved in the community, what what the way he would say it is as a as a present publisher of the Sun Herald, you wear three hats. One is you have the fiduciary responsibilities of the company, you know, the financial uh, health of the company. Two, you're a community leader. Yeah. And three, you're the publisher of a newspaper. You know, the with the First Amendment responsibilities, the ability to sort of speak out editorially, and so on. And that oftentimes those three hats are going to be in conflict with each other. You just have to sort of live with those conflicting objectives. You know what I mean as a CEO. You have to live at times with conflicting objectives. That's right. But he said this. The thing he said the most, and you can comment about this, is that the extent to which you are involved in the community. He really pressed me early in my career to be involved in the community. The more you're involved in the community, the more diversity there is in your involvement in the community, the more you're going to be able to determine whether the newspaper is reflecting the needs of the community. Absolutely. And I never saw that play out more so than after Katrina and all that all that muscle flexing, as, as John Harrison puts it, that I did long, long before Katrina sort of came to bear in that moment of Katrina where I could know who to get involved in the communication and so on. But you had similar experiences along the way, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, back to mentorship, you know, as a young professional, I think that having a mentor is the ability to have someone kind of it, it look there were people that did the exact same thing for me they recognized talent me I, I probably didn't know i had it myself um and so you know I, I was given leadership roles very early 
but I also was given the responsibility that, hey, you got to do something and you got to pay it forward. Um, to me, the, the way to pay it forward was to be involved in things that weren't just selfish for myself, but gave back to others. I, I guess, Ricky, for me, it's, it's really for my Christian values. You know, you, you give away um, love, you give away yourself, you get a whole lot more in return. I didn't do it for that reason, but I've always gotten back more than I've given. I wrote a note to Kim uh, Dillon, the president of Super Talk, and Steve um, uh, Davenport, who's the, who owns Super Talk and it's Mississippi Media. So it's 12 stations and 26 radio stations and in the company across the state. I wrote a note to him over the weekend. And it's probably the second or third time that I thank them for being for giving me the opportunity to do Coach View because, you know, in in my fast paced life before, I I didn't get a chance to really dive deep into specific people to understand what motivates them, and it's a gift that's been given to me the opportunity to do this show, the opportunity to share your story and people like you. So many people I've had on the show, we would have never known who they were. They were just they're quietly just doing their thing. They're driving by as you pointed out, their Christian values. They're driven by this need to want to make a difference. They're, they're wanting to set an example for that others can follow. But to me, that is so darn inspiring, man. And I know you see that in all of your work. You go back at all the years you've been involved, you know, after Katrina and the work that we did after Katrina, everything that we've done, you have been touched, I'm sure, countless times from people we would you would have never known probably had oh, you not been involved in the community. Absolutely. In fact, I still have, um, look, I have a real uh, passion for mentoring young people. I really like to see young people, and, and I hate to say this because I guess I'm getting old now, but a lot of the young people that I mentored are now mentoring young people themselves. And yeah. that, that's always meant so much to me to be able to see someone's career take off uh, and do well and to just feel like you had just a very small part of that. Um, you know, it, it's kind of what drives me to, to you know, look, you can, you can only have so much success financially. The human, the human being wants to be able to succeed in other ways. For me, that success was to um, share myself with others and, and share, you know, the resources of our companies with others as well. Um, and just give back to the, you know, to those that are, are less fortunate. And it's not always those less fortunate. Again, um, good, smart community involvement is good for the community. It's also good for Coast Electric and our broadband company, Coast Connect. I know that it is. I mean, it's about finding your purpose, you know. Yeah, exactly. And we were, we, were, we were sort of lucky in our careers to have found our purpose. And, and I talk to people every single day on Coastview who found their purpose. And they set, they set an example for us to follow. But there's so many more. There's thousands more, as, as former President Bush used to say, the thousand points of light. It takes that. I mean, you got all these, you know, formal nonprofit groups that are doing what they do. But then you have all these others that are just doing work in the community that fill in the gaps and, you know, because we've faced so many disasters over the years, so so many people have been inspired by their experience yeah. and have wanted to give back. And that's one of our, you know, I always say this, but buildings don't make a community that people do. Our competitive advantage is what's in the whole heart and soul of, Missis of coastal Mississippians, isn't hey, it? Man. I, I, listen, I couldn't agree more with that. You know, I'm not actually from the coast. I'm from Jackson. My wife is from Pensacola. But this is our home. And the reason it's our home is because people made us feel so welcome here. And really, it is 
what people from outside of Mississippi don't understand is the people is really the, the natural resource, especially mm. on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Yeah. I love to talk to people, Ron, who came here from other places. And I have a, I've had a series of really incredible conversations about people who are from California or wherever and relocated here. And it's so cool the way they talk about the myth of what they expected to see versus yes. what they actually saw when they got here. And what they saw when they got here was an incredibly accepting place, a place where people love each other. Hey, listen, man, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. There are always going to be. But as a general rule, at the heart of soul, coast of Mississippians is an incredibly accepting, you know, community across all all of coast of Mississippi, and we care about each other. And as again, I think it's you know because we're we're resilient, and the reason we're resilient is because we face so many challenges along the way. And when you face challenges, you get to the you get to the root of who we are as human beings. And at the end of the day, we're there for each other, and and the majority of us get that, and that's. That's that's the beauty of this place, isn't it? It really is. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, I'm a Coastian. Even though I didn't grow up here, I, I will always be a Coastian. This will always be my home. Uh, you know, even after I retire, uh, this is where Angel and I will, will make our home because it's home. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. So the Coast Chamber, you're the president of the Coast Chamber now, the chairman of the Coast Chamber. I talk to Adele Lyons all the time. She, what an incredible leader she is. My She's goodness. She's unbelievable. She does it. She is, she is unbelievably committed. See, I got to work with Adele. First of all, Adele is very, very good friends with my wife. That go, She goes back a long way with them. But I was, when I was chairman of the, of the Knight Foundation here locally, she was the director Right. And we work closely together, particularly after Hurricane Katrina. But, uh, man, you are so lucky to have her as an executive director, aren't you? Well, I am. And, and really, she makes my job so easy. Um, uh, you know, the, the president's job at the, at the Coast Chamber is, quite frankly, show up a lot of places and everything's done and organized. And she makes it a very easy gig. But I really have enjoyed it. You know, I've, I've been a member of the Chamber forever. Um, I've chaired a lot of different organizations. I've never had an organization that I think was better run. Now, there are a lot of them that are really well run, but never one that's any better run than what Adele has done at the Coast Chamber. Uh, and look, you know, we had a tough year last year with uh, COVID, but the Chamber came out. So, I mean, really, really, um, first of all, the, the Chamber came out strong under um, um, Dorothy Wilson's leadership. She was the president last year and Adele came out strong and really, uh, you know, pivoted quickly to virtual. Um, and then they really set the the table for me to be able to come in this year. And now we've we've had our annual meeting in person. We're back to, you know, um, lots of in-person events. And it's really, really going well. And again, that's that's just her good leadership. Yeah, the technology use has been incredible. Um, you know, they didn't let any dust settle on the adoption of technology, which in, in some ways will change the way the chamber uh, does its business going forward. There's going to be in-person. There's going to be continued use of technology. The other thing that really impressed me, and we can talk more about this when we come back after the break, is that when it came to like federal programs, the chamber didn't matter. It didn't matter to the chamber if you were a member or not. If you, they were, they were a 
a, a place where people could go sort of you know learn about what the programs were and they didn't ask you are you a member before I give you this information they were just serving the entire business community it was amazing to watch when we come back we'll continue our conversation with Ron Barnes the CEO of Coast Electric listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop desktop or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com and now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota, Gulf Coast Business Supply, and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. I have Ron Barnes, the CEO of Coast Electric, with me, and we're just kind of covering this, the spectrum. We're going to get uh, in this segment into house business at Coast Electric. But before I do that, you mentioned the annual meeting for the Coast Chamber. I was there. It was really the first big event the coast has had of the business community since the pandemic. And man, it was truly unbelievable when you think about all of us coming together and really seeing each other face to face for the first time in a long time. It was awesome, wasn't it? You know, I saw a lot of joy, Ricky. Um, you know, people never people never really understand what they what they have until it's gone. And I think people for the first time were like, hey, it's really good to be back. I can't tell you how many people I heard from that day that said it is so good to see you in person. And, you know, we've seen these people for, you know, a year on, on Zoom or uh, Skype or, or wherever. But for the, for the, to be able to see them in person was really something special. Uh, you know, it was a sellout event and we could have um, sold more tickets, but we were trying to be a little bit socially distanced. Uh, still, you know, really not sure where we are with the pandemic. So it was a great event. Great to be back in person. It was really, really awesome. Okay. The last time you and I talked, we talked about your broadband business. We'll come back to that in a second. But okay. I've often said on this show that broadband probably is the single most significant thing we can do to overcome Mississippi's deficits. And we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. And then, of course, as, as it relates to Coast Electric, I want to I want to obviously get the always get the latest on Coast Electric. But how's business in general doing for you guys? Uh, it's booming. Uh, you know, we we actually were busier in 2020 than we were in 2018 or 2019. You know, it seems like everybody in the world decided uh, during the pandemic to build a house. So, uh, you know, before you can build a house, you got to have the power run to the um, to the lot or whatever. So, uh, business is fantastic. Uh, a little stressful on my employees, uh, simply because it's so so fast paced. But, you know, as I keep reminding them, you know, it, it doesn't stay this fast paced forever. You know, take advantage while you can. Um, but business is good. Business is good for the broadband company, and it's excellent for Coastal Electric as well. So, Ron, when I talk to the mayors, um, their employees, you know, they're especially they're on the utility side, but certainly think about p- policemen and firemen. Most of the employees of um, of the cities and the county were critical employees. They never they never could you know could miss a beat during the pandemic. And then when I talk to people like Anthony Wilson from Mississippi Power and and you from Coast Electric, your employees were um, were really really critical employees, and they had to learn to operate in the midst of the pandemic. And then you know of course we're in the midst of the pandemic, and then Hurricane Zeta hits. Right. So. My God, you know, Zeta, especially, I mean, for all of us was a significant event, but it was especially a significant event for your delivery area, wasn't it? 
It was. You know, I said at the time that Zeta was the worst hurricane we've had since Katrina. I stick to that. It's now been upgraded to a category three. Uh, we had, uh, you know, power out in some areas all the way for a week. Uh, you know, we had to bring in a lot of people from outside the area. And, you know, there was a lot of, of real, um, you know, fatigue last year from all of the different hurricanes across the region. It was hard getting people in here to work. Um, and it wasn't pandemic related. It was just, you know, they were spread out so thin. Yeah. But, um, yeah, our, listen, our team came together. They did a remarkable job, um, as they always do. They got, uh, got folks' lights back on because we understand that, you know, you can't get commerce going until the power's flowing. Yeah, so I've had uh, Josh Morgan, the top hurricane chaser in the world, lived in Hancock County in Bay St. Louis last year. He lives there again this year. The reason why is because he can't get to some of the other areas where typhoons hit. So he's going to be spending another year in Bay St. Louis. But he went. He was in all the eyes that hit America. I think 11 land uh, falls here in coastal. Excuse me, in in, U, in the U.S. I can own. And man, they were. <laughs> there wasn't a light event in any of that man they were all significant all events it's particularly yeah. from a from a utilities perspective so i can imagine you guys have such a great uh system in place a contingency plan for for big events and when you have a a a, a chain of big events back to back to back they, you add to that the tornadoes that hit yes. up in the, the center part on easter last year i mean good lord i mean and, can, and we, we had uh we had ice that we sent to as well ricky i'm pretty sure we sent our crews to six different locations in 2020 uh, and then of course had our own event as well unbelievable challenge my goodness you would think that you know you think about you think about the pandemic you think about remote working and you know people learning to work in a different way and you know they're doing pretty good but not in your industry you you had it was it was all hands on deck yeah we really never shut down at all in fact um we had a few employees that occasionally worked from home but Pretty much all the way through, we just, you know, we kept working because we had to. Now, we, we did things differently. Um, you know, a lot of times we would box up materials for our crews and then, you know, they would come pick it up at, in shifts so they weren't around each other but um, and they weren't coming in the buildings. But other than that, it was kind of business as normal and pretty busy. How was your overall experience just in terms of employees getting COVID? So we did really good last year up until October um, and then we had a few uh, cases and then December came and I, and I told our HR director who was handling this, Marilyn Sefton, I told her, I said, we're going to have a really bad January and we did. Um, so we got through January um, and then we rocked along and didn't really have much of anything until 4th of July came and we've got a pretty good um, you know, outbreak right now in some of our areas. Uh, from the 4th of July. Um, and, and listen, Ricky, I'm just going to tell you, I'm still very frustrated that um, Coastal Electric is not any better than the rest of Mississippi in terms of uh, the number of people vaccinated. Uh, we're about 35%, and we, we offered it to all of our employees. We brought uh, Singing River Health System, actually came into our offices to administer the vaccines. Um, I was, you know, I got my vaccines all the way back in February to be a leader. Um, I understand why some people don't uh, want to get the vaccine, but it's still frustrating. And then, you know, it, it affects you when you have 
you know, one or two people get it and spread it around to others. It is. It is. I posted something a few days ago on my personal Facebook page, and last I looked, there were nearly sixty comments. And you know what's interesting is there's a there's a number of people that are still buying into a lot of conspiracy theories around all this, and they're spending so much energy trying to convince other people why they shouldn't get vaccinated. And I'm you know what what I think is. It, if you want to think that that's your personal choice, do that. There was a, actually a really good study that came out recently that said the number of people that are undecided is relatively small. But because there is still a group that's undecided, I still spend a lot of energy on it because I, I think it's best to get it because the Delta variant is extraordinarily contagious. Yes. And... Um, and, you know, the vaccines is pretty effective against it. In fact, they're not recommending boosters related to that at this moment. So, you know, the thing and listen, when I have Dr. Conger on the store on the show, the infectious disease doctor from Memorial, yeah, he says he's talking to a family who wants to try all these, you know, these these different drugs, these experimental drugs, because their per, their family members on a respirator recently. And he's, he can't help but think to himself, if only they would have taken the one drug that's not experimental, which is the vaccine, and we, would, we wouldn't even be here. And I don't know why we can't get people to see that. It's unfortunate. And well, I've got, Ricky, I've got one employee. I'm not going to mention his name, but um, he, he was a self, I mean, he would self-proclaimed denier. Denier, not so much of COVID, but, you know, didn't think it was really that bad, didn't need the vaccine. Spent two weeks nearly on in the hospital, nearly uh, dying. He's now the biggest vaccine proponent there is. Yeah. But it's a shame that it takes that. It, I know. that it takes almost dying yeah. before you understand that you know this is not a, a some kind of right wing or left wing conspiracy. It's just something that can save your life. It is. I we had a we had a friend of the family die recently as well. Not going to mention the name. Uh, several people in his circle got it got COVID, none of them were vaccinated. And he had a long, long, long fighting scenario where he ultimately, unfortunately, gave in to the disease. And, you know, I wish we'd tell more of those stories. I wish families would come out and tell more of their stories because, you know, they can't they can't do anything about the loved one who has passed, but they certainly can tell their story. And in fact, if someone hears this and would want to tell their family story, just reach out to me. I'd love to have you on Coast View to urge people to to take the, the to take the vaccine. Uh, the good news is that the uh, in the vulnerable class of Mississippians, we've done fairly well. Yes. But but the fact is, you know, when you're in the 30s in vaccination and you got a variant like the Delta variant that is incredibly contagious and deadly, moving so fast through our community, the July you know the J- July 4th incident you mentioned. Um, you know, unfortunately, we're, we're headed toward another wave. I don't know how significant it's going to be, but we are. And people are going to be touched by it that don't need to be touched by it. And um, and we just, you know, we just have to, we have we have a solution. It's called the vaccine. That's hey, fine. when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Ron Barnes, the CEO of Coast Electric. We're going to talk about their broadband efforts. Again, I think one of the most significant revolutionary thing, technology things that the state of Mississippi can do to get us to improve our rankings. And we'll come back and we'll explain why we think that in just a second. See you after this break. You can 
also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We have uh, Ron Barnes, my dear friend. We've worked in the community for so long. Uh, he's the CEO of Coast Electric. He's also CEO of another company. We're going to tell you more about that in just a second. But as it relates to broadband, in the early stages of the bill being considered that ultimately established the opportunity for rural co-ops to get into the broadband business, Joel Carter and I had lots of conversations about it. And more recently, Joe, Joe Higgins, who's probably arguably one of the top uh, economic developers in the United States, actually, from the Golden Triangle, he could not talk about how significant broadband is to Mississippi. I mean, you wouldn't believe the terms he uses. That is his entire career of all, take all the projects he's done and add them together, and it's still not more significant than getting broadband into rural areas across the state. He's not uh, overstating that, is he, Ron? He's really not. And Ricky, the truth is, Coast Electric really didn't know much about, um, you know, running a broadband business. It's not something we wanted to do. But when we begin to look at our service area, we said these areas are never going to uh, grow. They're never going to prosper. They're never going to get ahead if we don't give them the same basic service that you have in the city of Gulfport or Picayune or Biloxi or anywhere else. So uh, we went out there and we learned. We, we got together with a partner um, and we went to work. And, you know, I can say it has been a huge success. And we now have better broadband in some rural areas of of Pearl River County than they have anywhere else in the nation. Fiber to the home internet. I mean, it's as good as it gets. It really is incredible. Okay, so the bill enabled you guys to get in the business. Really, the federal government is going to spend, before it's over, with billions of dollars on creating broadband access in Mississippi. You created a new company. Talk about forming that company and what's your goal. All right, so the bill required that if electric cooperatives electric cooperatives are going to get into the broadband business, they had to form either a subsidiary or they had to work through a partnership. So we formed a subsidiary. It's called Coast Connect. It's a for-profit subsidiary, but any profits that eventually would be made go back to Coast Electric. Coast Electric is a not-for-profit, so ultimately that money would flow back to the Coast Electric members. So even though it's a for-profit, it's really a for-profit that benefits a not-for-profit. Um, you know, we're able to go anywhere that we want to serve this in, in Mississippi. We've, we've chosen to start by serving Coast Electric members. We will also serve Mississippi Power customers. We're working on uh, plans with our friends at Mississippi Power to take it to some of their customers because they're not interested in serving all the way into the home or business. Um, We've now uh, connected over 2,000 rural people, and it's all, I'm talking about really rural areas uh, that we've connected to gigabit speed broadband, uh, speed of light. And uh, it's, it's literally transforming. You, you can't, I can't believe how many people are telling us, I'm now able to have a home-based business that I was never able to have before. Yeah. And I couldn't do it without yeah. this. 
Think and think about the learning environment, you know, whether if think about what pandemic did. I mean, you think about not just the home based business, but the opportunities for people to work remotely, to learn remotely. Yes. Um, to to do their own sort of self learning uh, using the internet, I mean, so many. I mean, you, you know, here's the thing: that for those of us who have access to Wi-Fi and essentially broadband capabilities, we take it for granted. We're doing this show right now using right. you know fiber capabilities. Kyle at his house, me at my house. Um, we take it for granted. It's become part of who we are as a society, but the reality is that there's just so much of Mississippi that doesn't get to enjoy that. And if you think about how that connectivity changes our lives, whether it's in, you know, offering us enjoyment of streaming services or documentaries or gosh, you know, to dive into learning about whatever it is you want to learn. Not everybody has that. And the thought is that by providing that capability to every single Mississippian, no matter how rich you are, how poor you are, no matter where you live, that creating that opportunity to learn or work or whatever it is you need to do, once you have that capability, it's literally transformative. You'll be finding the next Steve Jobs or who knows what. Um, I mean, I can't, I cannot overstate the possibilities as it relates to that, can I, Ron? Yeah, it's really pretty amazing. You know, when when this bill passed, we thought there might be four or five co-ops across the state that would dabble in this. There are now about 20 out of the 25 that have gone full scale. Uh, we started building in the most unserved and underserved area of the Gulf Coast, uh, which is really north uh, Pearl River County. Uh, just to give you a quick uh, story on that, we took Sally Doty from the public utility staff to visit one of our customers up there. And she turned to me after about 40 minutes of driving and she looked, she was riding in the car with me. She looked at me and she said, these people would have never gotten internet without y'all. And it's absolutely true. So um, it's nothing special that we did. It's just something that needed to be done. That's what co-ops do is we serve our communities. And uh, we felt like that this was a way that we could serve our community really better than any other way that we could. It's exciting to think about the federal government sending so much money down here, the Mississippi being focused on it, the legislature being focused on it, finding a mechanism through the rural co-ops, enabling you to form your subsidiary called Coast Connect through uh, as, a, as a subsidiary of Coast Electric. It's amazing. It's amazing that we're, that, I mean, this is, I tell you what, five years from now, we're going to look back at this moment. This is one of the most significant economic development things Mississippi has ever done. That's how that's how big this is. Ron Barnes, buddy, it is a pleasure. Always enjoy our time together. We should visit more often. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Ricky. Always a pleasure, my friend. You bet. And we'll see you tomorrow. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.